the week. I, I loved listening years ago to the old radio commentator Paul Harvey. Anybody remember Paul Harvey? Nobody could tell a story like Paul Harvey could, and he'd build up to that great dramatic pause, and then he would say, and now for what? That's right, you've heard him. The rest of the story. That's really what we come to tonight, is the rest of the story. Because we looked at the first part of this chapter last evening, and I want us to look at the rest of it tonight. Beginning in verse number 13, Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do His commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bride and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. And I'd like you to read the last two verses out loud with me. Would you please, church? Ready? He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. What a chapter. Now last evening, I had you mark something in your Bible. I hope you have it marked. If you didn't do it then, do it now, please. In verse 7, I want you to mark, Behold, I come quickly. Verse 12, And... Behold, I come quickly. Now come with me to verse number 20, where he which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. You almost get the idea God's trying to tell us something, don't you? You see, when God repeats Himself, it is never because He forgot He said it the first time. When God repeats Himself, it is because there's something there He does not want us to forget that He said. In Mama's house growing up, I don't know what it was like at your house, but in our house growing up, if Mother said it once, we were supposed to listen. And all the mothers say amen to that. And if she had to say it twice, we were really supposed to listen. And if she said it three times, it was too late to listen. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Three times on the last page of the Bible, God says, Hey, hey, pay attention. Look at me now. Behold, I'm coming. And then when he says it the third time, did you notice the, the wording change? The first two times he says, behold, behold. But the last time he changes the word behold to the word what? Surely. Watch this. Behold is a word of attention. He gets attention. But surely is a word of assurance. It is like God's divine exclamation point. It is as if he got the nail started and then for one good measure... He pounds it one more time says, pay attention now. I want you to know, there's no doubt about this. I am coming again. I've been appalled this week, honestly, at the, at the speed at which things have changed in our country. Have any of you been taken by that? How quickly things have turned. And I'll tell you what it's made me ponder and meditate on this week is how quickly things are going to change when Jesus comes again. 
I wonder what they're going to say when the Lord shows up. I wonder what they're going to say when we all take out of here. Don't you know they're really going to lose their minds then? Everything's going to change in a moment of time. And I think some people are going to say, wait a minute, we didn't know that all this was going to happen. And the Lord's going to say, I wrote it in my book. Did you read my book? And I not only wrote it, I gave it three times for good measure so there'd be no mistaking the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. I tell you tonight, as surely as He came the first time, Jesus Christ is coming again. So last evening, I spoke to you on the subject, Jesus is coming. And tonight, I'm speaking on the subject, Jesus is coming. And why? Because He's still coming. In fact, the coming of Christ is closer tonight than it was last night. Meditate on that just a moment. You are closer to seeing Jesus now than you have ever been in your lifetime. And any moment, Jesus Christ may break the eastern sky, and I'm going to tell you, that is going to be the most glorious day of our lives, the day we see Jesus Christ face to face. Sometimes people say to me, well, you know, preacher, my best days are behind me. And I say, wait a minute, are you a Christian? And they say, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I said, then your best days are not behind you because the greatest day you're ever going to live is the day you see Jesus Christ face to face, which means, you ready for this? We all have our best days still ahead of us. That's exciting, isn't it? Because someday we're going to see Jesus face to face. Until He comes, what are we to be doing? Well, tonight I want to do something. I want you to take your pen out. Everybody get something to write with, and I'm going to give you four words. Four words that I want you to write down in the margin of your Bible next to the Scripture text. They all come really straight from the Word of God. But four little summary words, almost like pegs you can hang everything on. And when I'm done, you're not going to remember most of what I say, but I want you to get these four words. May the Spirit of God write them on our hearts. And I want to warn you before I give you the words that when I finish preaching, I'm going to give you the strangest invitation you've ever seen in your life. But I'm going to ask every believer that's gathered here tonight if you'll make a commitment to something. Here's the first thing. Go back with me, please, to verse number 14 and notice what he says. Blessed are they that do. Circle the little word do in your Bible. Do his commandments. That they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. He says, I want you to know that when I come, one thing is going to matter to me. Here's the word. Here's the first word. Would you write it down, please? Number one, obeying. God says the one thing that's going to matter is, did you obey the gospel? You see, that's where all obedience begins with obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. So may I ask you tonight, have you obeyed the gospel? How many of you know you're saved? Would you raise your hand? All right, if you're saved, only one way you're saved, and that is you obeyed the gospel. You believed the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You repented of your sin, and by faith you received Christ and Christ alone for your soul's salvation. You believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you were saved because that's the only way to be born again, and it is the only way to enter into the gates of the city. Now notice there's two groups of people. In verse number 14, there are those who are in, and in verse number 15, there are those who are without. Did you know, when it all comes due at the end, there's really only going to be two groups of people. That's those that are allowed in to be with the Lord forever and those that are cast out into outer darkness. Now, wait a minute. That's not just the two groups someday. That's the two groups tonight. It's not rich and poor. It's not educated and uneducated. It's not male and female. It's not moral and immoral. It's not churched and non-churched. No, no. It is this. Have you believed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? 
Or have you said no to the Lord Jesus Christ? And so the foundation of all this, when Jesus is coming, number one, what's He looking for? He's looking for those who have obeyed. April the 14th, 1912 at 11.40 at night. The ship that God Himself could not sink, they said, cut through the icy waters of the North Atlantic in 11.40. It hit that giant iceberg and ripped open several watertight compartments and in a matter of moments, that ship went to the bottom of the ocean. Thousands were lost. The sinking of the Titanic. The White Star Lines that owned the Titanic uh, had a problem on their hands because it was before the days of mass communication and the technology we have. They had hundreds, yea, thousands of family members and friends trying to find out, are my loved ones dead or are they alive? And so in the, in the city where the ship was to come in, that particular port, they built a platform, something like the one I'm standing on tonight, and they built a huge board, and on one side they had these words, known to be saved, and on the other side they had the words, known to be lost. And then they printed the individual names of every passenger on board the Titanic. They paid a young steward that afternoon as they could confirm things from the scene, and messages were received and bodies were recovered. They paid a young steward to come out, and he would hold up the name of someone until someone in that massive crowd identified them. Somebody out there would say, Oh, there's mother. And they would say, That's my daddy, or, or that's our uncle, or that's our son, or our daughter. And then once they knew someone in that audience was connected to that name, that young steward would turn around and post the name on one side or the other. They were either known to be saved, or God forbid, they were known to be lost. In the Titanic left port, there were three classes of passengers. But when it all came in, there were only two. And I want to say to you, every human being that you drove by today belongs in one of two categories. They are either in Christ or they are outside of Christ, and that will determine whether they are in Christ then or outside of Christ then. And I want you to know until we start seeing souls like God sees them and thinking of eternity like God thinks of it, we shall never make the impact in this world for Jesus Christ that we ought to make. Number one, obey. Here's the second truth. Come down to verse 16. Jesus speaks. He says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to... What's the next word, please? Testify. Circle it in your Bible. Come down to verse 18. For I what? There's that word again. Circle it in your Bible, please. Verse 18, testify. Verse 20, he which what? Testify. Here again, we have a word repeated three times. Write the word down. Number one, God's concerned about you obeying. Number two, God's concerned about you testifying. The little churches that we grew up in, occasionally they would have testimony meetings. You ever been in a testimony meeting? And it was just a popcorn kind of situation. Somebody would jump up and say, I want to say a word for the Lord. And they'd give a little testimony. And I'm not against that. I think it's wonderful. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I like that a lot. But may I suggest to you tonight that the greatest testimony ever given is not the one you give inside the four walls of this building. It's the one you give out yonder where the lost people are. It ever dawned on you that the ministry of Jesus was a testimony ministry? From start to finish, what was He doing? He was testifying to the Father. He was testifying to the truth. He was testifying to the only way of eternal life. And when you come to the last page of the Bible, Jesus is still speaking. And what is He doing? He is testifying. Watch it, please. Jesus testifies. The angel testifies. John testifies. You almost get the idea. The Lord wants us to testify. 
In fact, he mentions the churches specifically in verse number 16. He said, I testify unto you these things in the churches. Did you know this is the first time the word churches is used since the seven churches at the beginning of the revelation of Jesus Christ? That's fascinating to me. He deals with all the churches in the early part of the revelation and then we're taken out in the rapture of the church, Revelation chapter 4, verse number 1, and he deals with all the things that are going to happen in the tribulation, all the judgment that's coming. And then when he winds it all up at the end of the Bible, the last chapter of the revelation of Jesus Christ, look please, he brings it full circle back to us. And why does he do that? Because friend, this is why Jesus started his church. This is the work the church is supposed to be doing in this world, and that is testifying that there is only one way of salvation, and His name is Jesus Christ. So let me ask you a personal question. When was the last time you gave somebody a testimony about Jesus? People say to me sometimes, well, you know, preacher, I'm not a very good witness. I'm not a very good speaker. I really don't know what to say. Oh, wait a minute. If you know you've been saved, you know what to say. You may not be the best speaker in the world, but here's the glorious thing. God never said He was going to save anybody because you were a good speaker. The power is not in the way that you say it. The power is in the message of the gospel itself. Last year I was preaching in Ohio. It was about this time of the year and I'd been on a string of meetings and my voice was already tired and weary going into it. And I got in the middle of the meeting and I got sick. That's terrible. It's terrible for a preacher to get sick. And what's worse is my voice was already weak, and so I lost my voice completely. I'm talking about it was gone. I mean, you know, that's bad for an evangelist. And I tried every home remedy. You know, every grandma wants to give you some home remedy. You know what I'm talking about. I drank na- the nastiest stuff I'd ever put in my mouth and tried everything, and it wouldn't resurrect from the dead. It was just dead. And I went to the meeting one night, and frankly, I was so discouraged. Because I said to myself, I can't speak, I can't emphasize anything, I can barely whisper. I remember that night I went into the meeting and I I said to the man who ran the sound, I said, look, you're going to have to help me tonight. I'm not going to speak long, I'm just going to whisper. I even said to the pastor, pastor, I've never asked anybody to do this in my life, but I want you to read my text tonight. Will you read the scripture passage for me so that I can save my, my voice a little bit and when you finish reading the text, then I'll give a few thoughts. And I must tell you that night I just limped along for a few minutes and just just barely eked out, maybe I should say squeaked out because that's more what it sounded like. The few thoughts I wanted to say and the most amazing thing happened. The Lord showed up. As a matter of fact, it was as if the sweet presence of the Holy Ghost Himself just kind of settled down on us that night. People came to the Lord. Folks got right with God. There was a, there was a stirring and awakening among God's people coming to the Lord and seeking God. And honestly, oh, it was glorious. It was glorious. I stood on that platform and I felt more like a spectator than a participant. And I just said to the Lord, Lord, this is wonderful. This just reminds me that the power is not in my voice. The power is in God's Word. May I say to you, if you'll just open your mouth, and say something to somebody about the difference Jesus Christ has made in your life, He can use your testimony to bring someone to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God says, I'm coming. Christ is coming. Number one, are you obeying? Number two, are you testifying? Then number three, look at verse 17. Every time I stop, say the next word. And the Spirit and the bride say, and let him that heareth say, and let him that is a thirst are you noticing all these trios of words that just keep being repeated here? And so here we are in verse number 17, and the great word is the word come. Would you write this down? What are we to be busy doing? Obeying, 
testifying. And number three, here's the third word. You ready? Inviting. I love this. All of God's messages end with an invitation. You know why? Because God never preaches for information. He preaches for application. God's not interested in you knowing more. He's interested in you doing more. He's not interested in you saying, oh yeah, I got that, I got that. No, no. What are you doing with what you've received? So watch this. He gives the entire message of the gospel. He gives all of his revelation, and when he gets to the end, what's he doing? He's standing there with arms wide open saying, come to Jesus now, come to Jesus. Oh, I love that. What was Christ's first word to his early disciples? What did he say? Come, come after me, and I'll make you to become fishers of men. Come, that was his first word. What was his last word? Mark 16, 15. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Watch, watch this cycle. He says, come, and then he says, go, and when we go, guess what message he tells us to preach? Come, and it all starts over again. As a matter of fact, look at the verse with me. It's the Spirit's message. He said, it's not just your message. This is what the Holy Ghost wants to say to people. Can I tell you what the Holy Spirit wants to do? He wants to use us to invite men, women, boys, and girls to take Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. It's what the Holy Ghost is up to in this world. He's the Spirit of truth. He's the Spirit of Christ. He's the Spirit of grace. He's the Spirit of revelation. Look, please. He's the Spirit of love. And if you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then you've got to get in step with what the Holy Spirit wants to say. And so notice how he couples it together. He says, the Spirit and the bride. Who's the bride? We learned this already. Who's the bride? We are, right? May I say to you that the church is only valid as its message lines up with the message of the Holy Spirit of God. The minute we start talking about things that the Holy Ghost doesn't want us talking about, we lose our power. So what does the Spirit want? The Spirit wants us to point people to Jesus and invite them to come to Christ. And what must we be doing as a church? We must rededicate ourselves that by the grace of Almighty God, gospel's going to be more than just the name of the church. It is the whole mission of the church. It is the passion of the church because this is what Jesus is up to in this world. Look at the verse again. It's not only the Spirit's Word and the Bride's Word, but it is the Word of all who hear. And I'm, I'm convicted right now as I think about all I've heard. I got saved as a five-year-old boy. It's been 38 years now. We grew up around church. We were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, all the missions conferences and revivals and special meetings. I mean, at our house, they didn't, they didn't discuss, are we going to go tonight? That was never discussed. Just there. To whom much is given, much is required. Now I'm looking at a congregation tonight that's had a lot of Bible preaching. You've had a lot of mission conferences and revival meetings and your pastor week after week is teaching you the Word of God. May I ask you a question? What are we doing with all we are hearing? Can I tell you what I believe? I believe God expects every Christian to be both a student and a teacher. Not some of us, all of us, because all who hear are supposed to then use their mouth to tell others so they can hear. Look at the verse again. It's not only the Spirit's Word and the church's Word and the Word of those who hear, but I love this. It's a word for all who are thirsty. Let him that is a thirst come and whosoever. Aren't you glad that our God is a whosoever God and that the gospel is a whosoever gospel? Why? Because God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the only reason Jesus hasn't already come. The Bible says He's long-suffering to us. He's giving us a space to repent and believe the gospel. When somebody asks you why Jesus hasn't come, give them a Bible answer. He hasn't come because He's given us time for people to be saved. That's it. 
It's the whole reason. And I wonder, what are we doing to invite people to the Lord Jesus? Your pastor stands in this pulpit week after week and preaches Bible messages, gospel messages, and he gives it a public invitation. But may I tell you, as wonderful as that is, and we saw a woman the other night respond to the gospel invitation right here in this room and, and get saved. Wasn't that glorious? But may I tell you, the great invitations usually are not public. They are usually private. And I'm going to tell you why. Because God doesn't save people in groups. He saves individuals. He deals with people personally. And the most effective witness is the person-to-person witness. I think it's nonsense, nonsense to talk about world evangelism if we're not doing personal evangelism. It's not right. It's not right to pray out yonder somewhere that somebody else would give the gospel to somebody we've never seen. It's hypocrisy to pray that way and not obey right where we are. And so, let's review. Say them out loud. What's the first word? God's interested in what? Number one is what? Obeying. That's good. Number two is what? Testify. Number three is what? Inviting. Here's the fourth one. Come to verse 20 and 21. Did you notice how the entire passage ends? It ends praying. I love this. All of God's Word, all of Scripture ends with a prayer. That's good, isn't it? The Word of God ushers you into the presence of God. Notice verse 20, he speaks, God speaks. He says, he which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly, amen. Don't you like the Lord amens himself? That's the Lord's amen. By the way, can I give you a little thought here? Amen is not a word to be used lightly, and I'm going to tell you why. Because amen is not just a word. It's not a clever way of signing off or wrapping up. It's not just how we finish. Amen is one of the names for Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what I believe. I believe he wrote the check and signed his own name to it. Look at the verse again. He said, surely I come quickly. And then he went down on the signature line and said, amen. In other words, look, you have his word on it. You can take this to the bank. You can count on this. Jesus himself gave us the assurance he is coming again. And notice how John responds. He prays. I like it. And he prays two things. Number one, he prays the Lord, even so, come Lord Jesus. By the way, you see that word come? Watch this, please. Here's what the church is supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be looking at the world saying, come to Jesus, and we're supposed to be looking at the Lord saying, come to this world. Isn't that beautiful? We, we are inviting men to come to Christ, and at the same time, we're saying to Christ, oh Lord, come to us. Come to us. By the way, notice what he didn't pray. He didn't pray, take me out of here. He prayed, come to us. You say, what's the difference? I'm not looking for an event. I'm looking for a person. And I don't want to just escape this harsh world. No, I want to be with Jesus. I'm not looking to just get out of here and get out of this mess. I'm, say, I'm looking forward to the day this is all over with. Wait a minute. That's the wrong reason. We are to love His appearing. And you only love the appearing of one you love. And so he prays, first of all, for the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, when was the last time you prayed for that? And not because you were sick and felt really bad. And not because your finances weren't in good shape and you said, oh, I hope Jesus comes soon. That's not the right motivation. And when was the last time you just said, Lord, I love you so much, I can't wait to see you. Would you please come today? That's a revived heart right there. Then he prays for a second thing. Did you notice it? Look at verse 21. His first prayer is Godward. His second prayer is for others. And what does he pray? He prays the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ 
be with you all. By the way, how did Revelation begin? Revelation 1 verse 4, John says, grace and peace to you. I love this. It begins with grace and hallelujah, it ends with grace. From start to finish, from beginning to end, the story of the gospel is the story of the grace of God in our lives. And I submit to you, we need grace to our dying day or the day Jesus comes for us. We need grace all the way to the finish line. I don't know about you. I don't want to coast into glory. I'd like to cross the threshold of heaven with the pedal to the metal. That's what I'd like to do. I'd like to finish with so much grace that I didn't just shift it into neutral and hope for the best to the end, but I knew God's greatest blessings to the day I see Jesus Christ face to face. Make that your prayer tonight. And then notice, what's the last word of the passage, please, church? I'm sorry I didn't hear you. What's the last word, please? One more time. What is it? I think you can do just a little better. What's the word, church? May I ask you a question? Can you lend your amen to His amen? As you notice in verse 20, it is the Lord's amen, but in verse 21, it is John's amen. It's like the Lord says, it's what I want. I want you obeying and testifying and inviting and praying. Amen! And John says, amen, Lord, that's what we want to. Amen means so be it. I wonder if tonight if some of God's people in this room would rededicate themselves to God afresh and anew and renew their passion to get the gospel to others and bring others to Jesus Christ. I wonder tonight if you would say your amen to the amen. Some time ago I was reading John Walvoord, of course, as a man who wrote much about the revelation of Jesus Christ and prophetical things and great Bible teacher, and he quoted from a man I had never read after before, an old, old author named Joseph Seiss. I was reading through this passage. I never do this. I'm just going to tell you, I'm about to read you something, and I never do this. But I was so taken with it, I took my Bible out, and I wrote it down in the back flyleaf of my Bible. And I've been carrying it with me because it's just, it's powerful. Just listen with your heart. Sit, sit real quiet and listen with your heart for just a moment. This is what Joseph Seiss wrote centuries ago. He said, Fiction has painted the picture of a maiden whose lover left her for a voyage to the Holy Land, promising on his return to make her his beloved bride. Many told her that she would never see him again, but she believed his word. And evening by evening she went down to the lonely shore, and kindled there a beacon light in sight of the roaring waves to hail and welcome the returning ship which was to bring again her betrothed. And by that watchfire, she took her stand each night, praying to the winds to hasten on the sluggish sails that he who was everything to her might come. Even so, that blessed Lord who has loved us unto death has gone away to the mysterious holy land of heaven, (laughs) promising on His return to make us His happy and eternal bride. Now some say, some say that He's gone forever and that here we shall never see Him more. But His last word was, Yea, I come quickly. And on the dark and misty beach sloping out into the eternal sea, each true believer stands by the love-lit fire, looking and waiting and praying and hoping for the fulfillment of His work in nothing gladder than in His pledge and promise, and calling ever from the soul of sacred love, even so, come Lord Jesus. And some of these nights, 
Some of these nights while the world is busy with its gay frivolities and laughing at the maiden on the shore, a form shall rise over the surging waves as once on Galilee to vindicate forever all this watching and devotion and bring to the faithful and constant heart a joy and glory and triumph which nevermore shall end. And I say, even so come Lord Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. Oh Lord, get us ready to see Jesus. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.